Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. This is my very first time recording the podcast from Connecticut. So here we are. I got a library card this morning from the town library. I went to the farmer's market. I went for a hike. And now here I am. And I have a great topic today that was suggested by a listener. And I myself have thought about this topic a lot over the years And it's also really been on my mind recently, and I'll explain why, but I'm going to go ahead and read the question and we'll jump right into it because there's so much to say about this beautiful, wonderful, complex, multifaceted topic. So here we are. This is a question from Amandine from Austria. The question is about the relationship between money and spirituality. Can you be spiritual and want to make money at the same time? Are those two things compatible? In Europe, at least, maybe because there are still some marks from communism, there's a lot of noise in the Austrian political scene about the topic of having money or having or wanting to make money as something bad. Even well-intentioned people can be criticized for making too much money or wanting to make money. Maybe it is cultural and not something that this would really appeal to your American audiences, but in case it does, I'd be super interested in hearing your thoughts on that topic. Okay, this is a great question. So thank you, Amandine, for suggesting this subject. And I think that this topic is relevant whether you know the background of how you were raised is more on the communist side or it's more on the capitalist side. It doesn't matter which ideologies shaped you when you were younger and even today. What's important is that when we look at money, it's also the act of exploring the belief systems that we learned in relationship to money. So no matter whether your parents were Marxists or they were ardent capitalists and CEOs, we all come to the table with certain beliefs about what money means and what having or not having it means about us. And oftentimes those beliefs are not useful, not helpful, and not supportive to us any longer. And so what we'll do here in this episode is we'll cover three topics. The first is, okay, what is money? (laughs) What is it actually? What does it symbolize? What does it represent? What does it mean? The second piece is what is the spiritual nature of money? And finally, lastly, we're going to talk about the most important thing, which is some useful steps for how you can start to build a more supportive, healthy, encouraging, and abundant relationship for yourself with money in a way that is also in collaboration with your spiritual beliefs. Okay, so first off, before we get into the nitty gritty and start talking about what money actually is, I just wanted to give you a sense of where I'm coming from in this topic, because it's something that I've thought about so much over the years. And I'm a person who has seen really high highs and really low lows when it comes to money. I feel like my life has been about booms and busts and money comes in, money comes out. You know, there are some people where 
money is relatively stable, right? Like they've kind of earned the same amount for a very long time or they've lived the same type of lifestyle and that's really not me. And I don't know if this is a good or bad thing or if it makes me more or less qualified to talk about money, but I think it's helpful to give you the context of my past relationships with money because it's so personal to all of us. As many of you know who listen to the podcast, until I was probably 27, money was the biggest bane of my existence. And this is even since I was a little kid. And I remember my mom would go to the gas station and she would put like $2 worth of gas in the car at a time because that's literally all the money she had and she needed enough gas to get us home. There was this constant pressure of knowing that we never had enough money. It was a constant conversation and I'd really feel it because you know, our electricity might get shut off because we hadn't paid the bill or we had to suddenly move apartments. My mom's car got repossessed. And even on a day-to-day basis, there was always this dialogue of what we couldn't afford. So even if I needed to go get poster board for a school project, which would be a couple dollars, my mom would say, okay, I need to wait till Friday. And so it was always this feeling of never enough, never enough, never enough. And my mom had been raised very wealthy in Vietnam before the Vietnam War. And so I think that she didn't really know how to be with money at all. And then when we didn't have any, she felt like she sort of still deserved it. So she would always borrow money from other people. A lot of times when we'd go over to my uncle or aunt's house, she would say, oh, can I just have $20? I need to get gas. So it was a very casual thing that she did where she would ask people for money all the time and not actually really feel bad about it at all. And so as I grew up, I had this feeling that I was lesser than other people because I didn't have money. And I thought of money as something so magical and wonderful. And if only I could have enough of it, then I could finally be happy and I could erase the chaos that I had experienced as a kid. So then that's what I did. I tried to just make money. I really oriented my life around doing whatever it took just to feel stability in my financial world. And then when I got into my early thirties, I was making a lot of money. It was a totally mind-boggling position to be in because I very clearly remembered not being able to pay rent as a college student or even as a person living in New York my first couple of years, needing to make the decision of whether or not I was going to take a cab home or have dinner that night because that's all I could afford. And then to suddenly being in a place where I was thinking about, okay, how do I invest my money? Uh, going on really beautiful vacations, buying designer clothes. And what I actually came to realize was that I wasn't happy. And this moment that I had been thinking about since I was probably four or five years old had finally arrived and I wasn't happy. And of course I was happy and grateful to have security and money, But all the other sacrifices that it had made in my life had led me to a place where I was really deeply unfulfilled with not only the work that I was doing, but also the person who I had become. 
So then I went and I started my own business and I put all my money into that. And then when COVID happened, then I had no money. (laughs) So I lost all my money and had a lot of debt. And then now I'm in a place where I feel really financially solid again. I'm very fortunate. We have a beautiful house. We live in New York City. I have everything that we need. I love looking at our kitchen with a full pantry. This makes this little part of me from when I was a kid and never had any food in the house. Very, very happy. So I think in many ways I've kind of found a happy medium. The potential to make millions and millions of dollars through my work as a coach is not there in the way that it was when I worked in finance, but I do have enough to take care of my earthly needs and I'm doing work that is really satisfying. But I definitely still hear the pull of that younger inner child voice a lot of the time, especially now that I've been embarking on this big home renovation project, which has increased our expenses a lot. And the feeling that this younger voice says that my inner child has is, oh, we don't have enough we're not safe. And so I think the first step that we must take in order to understand money is to think back to what the beliefs were that you were told as a child about money. How did your parents think about money? And even related to that, how did they think about work, the means by which they procured money? I'm going to read some statements that might get your brains turning a little bit about what sort of childhood experiences of money and what beliefs you've carried through into adulthood you may be holding on to right now. And so maybe there's a thought that you don't have enough money or you'll never be able to afford what you want. Maybe there's more of an antagonistic, angry relationship with money where you think wanting money is greedy and that people who desire money are bad and that you shouldn't need money because you're spiritual. There's also thoughts related to incompetence around money. So saying, oh, I'm not good with money. I don't know how to deal with money. I don't like handling money. And then there's also some ideas that are about sacrifice as a way to have money. The only way to earn money is through really crushing yourself in order to get it or that can't be happy and have money at the same time too, or even that this idea that once you have enough money, then all your problems will be solved. So I have a friend who says, okay, just I have a number in my head and I'm going to do this job that I hate until I get to that number in my head. As I'm sure we can all guess here, that probably is not actually going to work. So this is now a bit of an oversimplification, but I tend to think that there are two types of negative relationships with money. One is this idea of lack, which is that I don't have enough money. I'll never have enough money. And therefore I am not good enough. And then there's this other idea where you are above money. Wanting money is bad. Wanting money is selling out. The people who have money are not moral. And so now I want you to just pause this podcast here And just write down in your phone or in your notebook, what are some of those pervasive thoughts about money that you hear in your mind over and over again? Write down as few or as many as you can think of. And then your second question is, is this my idea of money or did I inherit this from someone else? Who did that idea of money come from? And then the third question that you ask yourself, the final question 
is, is this belief going to serve me now and into the future? Does this belief support the person who I want to be? And so essentially you're asking yourself, one, what are my longstanding beliefs about money? Two, where do they come from? And then three, are they helping me or are they hurting me? I honestly think most of the messages that we get around money societally are very unhelpful. And this is speaking more directly to American culture, but we do live in a capitalist society where there's this sense that one's value and one's worth is tied to how much money they have or how much they work. So the thing about money is that it's actually neutral. It is nothing more than a form of energy exchange. And we are actually the ones who are projecting our beliefs onto money. And so to go back to Amadine's question of, is it okay to be a spiritual person and to also desire money? The answer is yes, because it's not about just the desire of money. It's about what do you want to do with that money? What does that money mean to you? Because really at the end of the day, money isn't something that in and of itself is charged as either a negative or a positive. It's really neutral. Giving someone money is essentially the equivalent of giving them an assortment of random items. Is it good or is it bad? I don't know. It actually kind of depends who's giving it to you. What are you doing to get it? What's in the bag? right? So these are all questions that illustrate that money is simply something that we humans created so that we could make exchange easier. Before there was money, there was bartering. So I might think that my one goat is worth six of your chickens, or I might think that one loaf of my bread is worth three pounds of your broccoli, and on and on and on, where Essentially, money was just created to facilitate bartering. So now that we understand that money originated as a way to facilitate exchange and barter, then we can see clearly that money has three core characteristics that may be very different from what you've been taught to believe about money. The first characteristic is that money is subjective. So remember, when you're bartering, you're putting upon the other person and the exchange itself, your own framework for value. So someone might value six chickens way more than the other person and be willing to pay way more money. And so of course there's supply and demand, but at the end of the day, when something costs a certain amount, that is subjective, right? It's not the truth. It's not inherent to that object. It is just what the market or a specific person has deemed that thing to be worthy but that is subjective and you do not have to buy into that, right? And that's connected to the second quality of money, which is that it's not inherently good or bad. It's actually neutral. And, you know, so much of what makes money good or bad is what people do to get it or what they do after they have it. But money in of itself doesn't have either negative or positive quality to it, right? It's purely what you make of it. So having money doesn't mean that you're bad and not having money doesn't mean that you're good. Just as going to church doesn't mean that you're good and not going to church doesn't mean that you're bad, but it's really not cut and dry like that. 
Some people might say that having money is fantastic. And other people might say having money is the worst thing in the world. And neither of those camps of people are right. Money is simply neutral. It is not good or bad. Okay, and the third and final characteristic of money that we need to understand is that it's fluid. It is meant to flow. Money has always been intended as a conduit to make exchange more easy. And so it is supposed to come and go. It's supposed to come in and out. It's supposed to move. You know, it wants to go from one place to another. That is just the core nature of money is that it's supposed to be in flux. It's supposed to be moving around the market, changing hands so that it can facilitate the exchange that we need as humans in the world. Okay, so now that we understand that, let's just ask the question, can you desire money and still be a spiritual person? And the answer is yes. So think about the three things we just learned about money. One, one's interpretation of how much something is worth is subjective. Two, money is not objectively good or bad. And three, it is supposed to flow. And at the end of the day, the spiritual way to think about money is that money is literally just an exchange of energy. Money is energy. Think about this example. When someone employs you to do a certain job, they're giving you money in exchange for your work. And essentially what it is, is that you're putting a certain amount of your energy into the job, and then you're receiving the equivalent, supposedly equivalent amount of energy back as an exchange in the form of money. And so when you think about it this way, how much you're paid at your job isn't an indicator of how worthwhile you are as a person. Just because someone makes more money than someone else doesn't mean that they are inherently better in any way. It simply means that they've negotiated a way to have more energy exchanged for their personal time and energy. And so when you think about it this way, then you start to see money in more of a spiritual light because you realize that you are exchanging your own precious, vital, important energy so that you can get more energy in monetary form. When I was working at that venture capital fund, I was getting paid a lot of money, right? So a lot of energy was flowing toward me, but it was not enough. It was not enough to justify how much of a drain it was to my energy. And so in that situation, I was able to discern that the energy that I was losing from that transaction of working at that place was not worth it for the amount of energy that I was receiving back. Similarly, if there's a big purchase on your mind and you can't decide whether or not it's worth the high price tag or not, just think about how much energy, positive energy that's going to bring into your life. And is it worth what you think that energy should cost. I find this concept of money as energy exchange to be so freeing because I really do understand my own energy, right? I really understand the energy that objects and experiences bring into my life. And so therefore I'm able to make my own personal subjective decisions about what I think things are worth. I really don't listen very much to the market, right? I don't buy expensive things just because they're expensive and prestigious and people really like them. Sometimes I will buy something expensive because it brings a lot of great energy into my life. And other times I'm really happy with whatever version that is that costs just a few bucks. 
So if you personally can shift your mindset to thinking about money as energy exchange, what it does is it frees you from what other people think about money. It frees you from the societal beliefs that surround you. It frees you from the marketing campaigns that tell you that an expensive celebrity hawked product is worth a huge amount of money and you don't believe it, right? You don't believe what you're being told about how much things cost because you can make those very personal decisions for yourself based on how much or how little objects, experiences, and choices impact your energetic experience of living in this world. Spirituality at the end of the day is your personal journey to craft and live a life that is in alignment with your values. And so if you're asking the question of what is the spiritual relationship to money, it's about approaching money in a way so that you can create certain understandings for yourself that align to what your values are. For instance, I am a Buddhist and there's this concept called Buddhist economics, which is about using the least amount of toil and resources for any given outcome. So for instance, if you want a car, what is the most scaled back way to get the things that you want from that car? Or you want to make more money so that you can go on vacation. So what is the least amount of toil and resources on your part that can help you earn that desired amount of money so that you can go on vacation? And I like this because it's so simple. It makes decisions about what I spend my money on really clear and really simple. I just ask myself, Is this the fastest, quickest, easiest way for me to get the desired intention from this object or this experience? So what comes from this is that I rarely ever choose the most expensive option of anything. And I pretty much never wear designer clothes at all. I don't care. I don't want to pay the additional money for that label, right? Just because it's in vogue or people like it. I'll definitely spend money to buy something high quality that will last for a long time, but I won't buy something just because it's marked up for whatever reason. That is not Buddhist economics. And the second decision that I've made is that I know that my energy is worth so much. And so I actually won't take on any clients where I don't leave feeling energized. And no matter how much they pay me, I will not take on anyone who drains my energy. And I've actually let go of a couple clients who, for whatever reason, not that they were bad people in any way, but it just wasn't the work that I was supposed to be doing. It wasn't stimulating. It wasn't positive. It wasn't productive for them or for me. And I had to be the one to cut it off, even if I really needed the money at the time, because that was not an energetic alignment. And another spiritual belief that I have is that it's important to always feel grateful and how that has manifested in a money decision is that when I buy things, I want to really love them and I want to keep them around for a long time. I don't want them to end up in a landfill. So I'm always really, really curious about asking myself, is this thing going to bring you so much joy? Are you going to love this and keep it forever? And if the answer is no, no matter how inexpensive it is, then I won't purchase it. Now I want to encourage you to think about how you can start to think about money in a spiritual way for yourself. How can you think very personally about what's important to you? What are your deal breakers when it comes to money? 
What are your do's and don'ts? What are some things that you'll never do for money? What are some things that you really want to use money for? The spiritual relationship with money is about intentionality and about being thoughtful. Think about what you're doing for money. Is that a reflection of what you believe to be right? Is it an equal exchange for the amount of personal energy you're putting in? And then also think about what your ideology is around how you spend money. What's important to you? What are your values? And are those values reflected in the things that you purchase? The last thing is that because money is energy, it is meant to flow. It is supposed to change hands. It's supposed to be able to move around easily. That's why it's really important to give away money, to tip people well, (laughs) to donate to charities if you so wish, you know, to put your money toward good work. And money is not here for us to hoard in any way. It's for us to transmute it into things that are good for our lives and for the world. The quickest way to block up energy from flowing to you is to hold on to it in a fearful way, hoarding the money that you have. So let it flow. Think about what you want to put more of energetically into the world and direct your money towards that. If you want more love, peace, and compassion in the world, how can your money create more of that? If you want more creativity and more exploration around specific topics, how can your money go towards creating more of that energy? Money is often used for very evil things, but at its core, it is not inherently evil. Money is also used for many, many good things, but also it is not inherently good. It is you who chooses what that money becomes when you deploy it energetically. Because money is energy, the mindset that you have about money is the most important thing. Because remember, it is this neutral thing that we project our thoughts onto. And so in addition to our behaviors and the way we spend and receive money, You can also make money good or bad for your life with the thoughts that you put upon it as well. So if you think that money is your adversary, that you never have enough of it, and how it's always a point of contention and frustration in your life, then that is what it will continue to be. On the opposite side of things, you think that money is abundant, it flows easily to you, and that you are a magnet for money, then that will start to come true in your life as well. So in a lot of ways, creating a spiritual relationship with money is simply about taking the negative and the positive charge off of money. It's to stop thinking of a person in a positive or negative way because of how much or how little money they have, It's to stop valuing things just because they happen to be expensive or devaluing them because they're inexpensive. You start to just take all of these negative or positive projections off of money so that it becomes this really clean, neutral conduit for exchange because that's all it is. So the next time you start to have a very strong reaction to something money-related, I want to encourage you to pause and to very deeply explore it. Because the work of building a spiritual relationship with money is about removing all of those old limiting beliefs that you have about money that you may have inherited from your family of origin. I was thinking about a friend of mine the other day. He has a lot of money because of his job and he doesn't really seem to have to work very hard for it either. So he gets to 
buy things that I think are quite beautiful and do things that I think are great without seemingly any strain or stress at all. And it makes me feel upset at my own life and it makes me feel jealous about him. And then I step back and I remember that money is inherently neutral. And what I think is, okay, if I remember that money is not objectively good or bad, but rather is just a neutral form of exchange, do I still feel this way about this person? And the answer is no, because when you strip away all the connotations that come with money and to see it as neutral, I wouldn't want that person's life. There's no part of that person's life that interests me whatsoever. And then I can also look at my own life and remember that money is just a means of exchange. And while maybe the number in my bank account isn't exactly what I would love for it to be, I can look around at my life and I can see all the amazing, energetic, beautiful boosts that I have, the flowers that are on my desk, the books that I have on the shelf, this beautiful land that I walk through every day. And I know that I have all this abundant energy and I feel very, very wealthy and very, very rich. So now just to recap what we talked about in this episode, first, we talked about how money is simply a form of exchange. It is neutral. Value is subjective. It is not good or bad. And it is meant to flow. You're supposed to spend it. You're supposed to move it around in this environment. We also talked about how so much of the negative and positive projections that we put on money come from our childhoods. And the spiritual path is actually about evolving from those old outdated beliefs and then figuring out what you value individually and then how money can support you in upholding those values. So money is not spiritual in and of itself, but it can be a conduit for you to express your spirituality. How you spend money and the things you do to make money, they can be in alignment with who you are. So it's up to you to take the time to think about what matters to you. What is the beautiful, amazing energy that you want to put into the world using money? And then also thinking, are you getting appropriately compensated for the beautiful, wonderful energy that you put into the world via work? And then finally, remembering that because money is just energy, that whenever you start to feel really strong, positive or negative associations with money, returning to a place where you can be neutral, removing all the heat, and instead just remembering that it is simply a conduit for exchange. That is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you also for submitting podcast questions. I have a few more that I want to go through over the rest of the summer. So if you submit it, just be patient and hopefully I can get to them. And thank you guys for always sharing and listening, even when there have been lulls in recording. So thanks guys, please share the podcast. And as always, remember to listen to yourself, to love yourself and to say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. See you next time.